greatest victory is that which requires no battle. Sun Tzu, Art of War. We'd been drawn to this place by O's shadow armor. Now we had tuned into it, and from the very moment that we had arrived, we found ourselves in the fight of our lives in a place that was both a desert and an ocean. Funza had formed a water giant, and Commander Auk was swirling, ready for attack. Now we spiked Aja's tip into the sand and said, Get him! then took off toward Funza's water giant. Black sand suddenly whirled around me like a tornado, then each grain transformed into bits of golden light. It was admittedly beautiful, but beautiful didn't matter to me in that moment. It wasn't gonna stop the commander or the other soldiers. Get him. That was easy for her to say. Now he was half God a warrior of the Lightning Tribe. She could get him all she wanted, but I was just Eric, with shadow armor that Naoi had patched up with the light she carried inside her. Would it be enough to defend myself against Ock? Well, I was going to have to find out, because the armor snapped on as the commander, twisting toward me in the form of a black tornado, lunged. I threw up my arms, covering my face. It was pure instinct, a reflex, and, well, I felt stupid for doing it. But then, something happened. The grains of golden light, continuing to spin around me, turned into two giant golden arms, and they blocked him. Did I actually do that? From Auk, I sensed astonishment, disbelief. And in the distance, a glimpse of a wall of golden water sprouting up around the water giant. This wasn't so bad. I was holding my own, and it was only a matter of time before my half-god sister would take Funza down. I could feel it. All came at me again, and I cocked my fist back to take a swing. But he surrounded me, and the golden grains of sand went dark again. I rocketed upwards, the sand spinning chaotically around me, and a split second before I whipped through the eye of the tornado, something struck me in the chest like a hammer and knocked me back to the ground. No idea what it was. With all the sand and dust, I couldn't make out anything. And I, I knew, I knew, oh, would be yelling at me because I hadn't activated the armor around my head and face. Why won't you trust your instinct, he'd question, looking at me frustrated. Well, the armor swallowed up my face in that moment, and I was on pure instinct. I could feel Hawk holding me down and at the same time closing in around me. And I could hear Nowie's voice in my head. Fight, it said over and over again. Fight. I was already completely out of gas, completely exhausted. That punch in the chest didn't just knock the wind out of my lungs. It had knocked the fight out of me. And I kept seeing my father taken at that restaurant, 
the time that Ock had kidnapped him. This was the commander inside my head telling me without words that he'd do it again. And there wasn't anything, anything I could do to stop him. Suddenly, I could sense Naoi moving toward me with blinding speed, but then I sensed a fireball cutting her off just before she reached me. She wasn't expecting it. I could feel her surprise, her frustration with herself for not anticipating Noria, the soldier with the hair that burned as bright as the sun. Naoi was knocked back into the water. Suddenly, I couldn't sense her. No, I thought. No. She had to be okay. Strength. I'd found it in that moment. No idea where it had come from, but it was too late. I could feel Auk pressing against my shadow armor. As powerful as it was, I feared that Auk was more powerful and that it would crack it like an egg. Then I heard O's voice. Or maybe it wasn't. Maybe... It was my voice. It screamed that I was helping him, making him, the commander, stronger. It was simple. The armor was me, and if I felt weak, the armor was weak. If I felt strong, the armor was strong. It had always, always been about me. From the very beginning, it wasn't until the armor actually began to crack that I really, truly understood this. I am strong, I thought. I am powerful. And suddenly, I could feel the crack in my armor seal closed. I began to raise my arms, and the black sand Aqua's composed of began to recede. The grain spinning around me that it turned black turned back to golden bits of light. I was pushing Auk away. Then I saw a fireball. It soared upwards from the water and was headed right for me. Noria. I didn't think I could take them both on. Not at the same time. But wait, I thought. This fireball. It was pure golden light. It didn't belong to Noria, or at least it didn't belong to her anymore. Just like the grains of sand, Naoi had transformed Noria's fireball and threw it at Auk. Then struck him, and Auk scattered, and a voice out of nowhere, it said, Stop. And suddenly, everything went black. It was a darkness so thick that I felt like I needed to take extra breaths to keep myself from suffocating. To be clear, it wasn't like the shadow armor, which always made me feel lighter than air. This was literally dead weight. I felt arms grabbing me, and I tried to pull away, but then I heard Naoi's voice. Are you okay? She asked, giving me her usual back-breaking hug. Naoi had changed, 
and I thought it had everything to do with the world Osiris had taken her to. She was feeling everything with an intensity that I'd never, ever seen. Anger, fear, sadness, love. It was, to be honest with you, exhausting. Where is he? Maui suddenly yelled, and I knew she was looking upward. Where is O? Golden lightning pierced the darkness. Maui's anger manifested. In the distance, around the same area that I saw Naui's golden lightning bolt, was a tiny point of light. I stared at it and asked Naui if she could see it too. She didn't respond. It almost looked like the point of light was vibrating, and that reminded me of something. I remembered Wusa taking us back through time, and when we visited her room, there was a, well, a dark painting, and on that painting was a single point of light. I quickly realized that this was what I was seeing in that moment, but it wasn't a painting. It was, like, real 3D. A familiar voice suddenly filled everything. In the beginning, we were a single consciousness without form. An explosion of light followed, and it was so bright that I just knew I'd be blind after it ended, if it ever did. And that voice, the one that seemed to be everywhere, the one that I could hear thundering inside of me. That voice belonged to Seth. Just when I thought the light couldn't get any more bright, it did. Didn't matter that the shadow armor had activated around my head and face, that I had my eyes shut so tight that my eyelids were trembling. It was still unimaginably blinding. Then, in a calm, quiet voice, Seth said, We split apart. We'd always been one, and we wanted to know what it was to be separate, to have our own independent consciousness. Where is he? Now we asked again. Despite all that was happening, O continued to be her single focus. Then the light was fading. Or at least that's what I thought at first. Once it had gotten down to the point where I felt like I could open my eyes, I realized, wait, it wasn't fading at all. It was gathering being drawn into what I thought would be a single point, but I was wrong yet again. It was being absorbed into, was that a falcon in the sky? From that distance, it was hard to tell, but as it swelled with light, there was no doubt what it was. Definitely a falcon. 
the area around it was turning blue. And could it be, I thought, the sky? Huh, well, definitely the sky. And the falcon burned like the sun, but that fire only lasted for a few moments. It was sucked into the body of the falcon, and the bird of prey swooped down and landed on the shoulder of a man walking toward us slowly. He was wearing a simple white robe. Naui glared at the approaching man and said one word, Seth. Her grip on Aja tightened. She'd gone into warrior mode and I needed to do the same. Of course, Seth had lost his power at least momentarily, due to Naui. She'd somehow managed to contain the source of his power, his star. And she did this without shutting it down and destroying the planet that revolved around it. Not even she knew exactly how she'd done it, but it all came down to her power of creation. The last time I'd seen him, he was at full power, but seeing him like this, well, he definitely looked very, very human, very vulnerable. But like Jima once said, never underestimate a god. We had to assume that he had some kind of trick up his sleeve, but neither of us had any idea exactly what it could be. It wasn't long before he was close enough to us for me to see the stubble on his face. Was Seth growing a beard? Didn't know gods could grow beards. Where is O? Now he asked again, and there was a dangerous calm in her voice. This was the Nawi I knew and understood. The warrior part that was cool and calculating. I could feel the wheels turning in her mind. Seth gently stroked the top of the falcon's head. It looked just like any other falcon, really, with one very interesting exception. Instead of eyes, it had two tiny almond-shaped flames. Honestly, I'd never seen anything like it. This is Montu, Seth said, as if he were introducing us to a favorite pet. Other than the sky, our surroundings seemed to be a blank canvas up to that point. But then I could see other things gradually fading into view. It only took a few moments for me to realize that we seemed to be standing in the middle of Sunset High School. Well, it was obvious that Seth was looking to truly torture us. Seth finally focused on Naui and said, He's safe. Naui raised Aja and the falcon fluttered its wings. The flames in its eyes swelled. It's okay, Matu, Seth said, continuing to stroke the falcon. Naui isn't foolish enough to attack me. She knows that O's life would be extinguished in that moment. Now he lowered Aja. 
What do you want? She asked. Not to fight anymore, he said. I'm tired of fighting. What I want is for you to hear my side of the story. Suddenly, people began materializing all around us. They were carrying backpacks and notebooks. Some were having lunch and others were just sitting on the grass talking. What I noticed immediately was that no one had a phone. So I knew this wasn't the sunset that I went to. And telling his side of the story, I thought, must have had something to do with our trip back through time to Naui's birth. Like that trip, the people here were walking past us and didn't seem to see us at all, like we were invisible. But this was different. First, we hadn't gone back through time. This was our high school, and other than the missing cell phones, it seemed to be the same time period that we were there. Another thing I noticed was that the students had a kind of, I don't know, a generic look to them. It was like those characters you'd see on a video game that weren't the main character. The ones that, you know, populated a city or something. Seth turned his focus on me and smiled. Your instincts are correct, Eric. This is not really Sunset High School, he said, as if he'd read my mind. This was something that Osiris was able to do, and I was never really comfortable with it. Maybe it was just a God thing, I thought. It is not possible for me to explain the beginning of things in a way that you could understand, Seth said, and I thought, here we go again, a god talking down to us. How did he know that we wouldn't be able to understand? Then I thought back to Wusa again, how she told Naui that she was creating the universe and giving birth to her at the same moment. For her, time didn't exist. Well, I thought, Maybe he did have a point. Because no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't even begin to imagine a world without time. None of this matters, Naui said, and I remembered how unimpressed she was with what Wusa had done. I'll never, ever give you what you want, Seth. Well, that might not have been the smartest thing to say, I thought. We want to at least make him think he has a chance. It was the one thing that was probably keeping O alive. Seth stood there quietly for a while, taking Naui in, then said, We'll see. And the falcon spread its wings. The fire burning beneath its eyelids shot out and swirled around Seth like a cyclone. A split second later, the flames disappeared and Seth was gone. Me and Naui looked around and she said she had a pretty good idea that O was close. 
Michael's father, Naui, had tuned into O's shadow armor and was able to track him. Any idea what direction, I asked? Then I noticed someone sitting along in the grass, sketching in a notebook. He looked to be about my age. And there was something so familiar about him, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I moved toward him, curious about what he was drawing. Then I stooped down beside him and looked over his shoulder. He was wearing round glasses held together with tape. Maybe I'd come over because he reminded me of (laughs) me. I was a geek just like him, or at least I assumed he was a geek. Then I looked down at his notepad and saw that he was sketching what appeared to be, well, it looked like a galaxy. And I noticed something else. The lead point of the pencil he was using, well, it was glowing. I was so absorbed in all of this that I lost track of Naui. So when someone stepped up, I thought it was Naui. But when I looked up at her, I immediately realized it wasn't. She wore a short afro and looked like she could be a teacher. And even though she looked completely different than the last time I'd seen her, I knew that this was Wusa. She looked up toward the sky, and I looked up too. The galaxy that the young boy had drawn materialized there, turning slowly. It was an incredible sight. The only thing that took my focus off it was Naui who was nearby, staring up at the sky as well. The woman sat down beside the young boy with the taped-up glasses and asked, What are you drawing, Seth? On July 22nd, the adventure continues, and this summer, prepare yourselves for the chronicles of Detective Bender and the super-secret adventures of George. Stay tuned.